Well, this is our third lesson on tribalism. What, what began is just one lesson based on some experiences I've had in Kenya. We wrote a lesson on tribalism, and now that has expanded because once you start pulling on that thread, you run into other things. It's not just tribalism. Well, let's deal with bigotry. Let's deal with prejudice. Let's deal with racism. And then that's going to lead into what we're looking at this morning, which is culturalism. But we also call this lesson stereotypes and culturalism. Uh, we, we're all Americans here. We know the day that we live in. Uh, at the time of this recording, it's 2017. And I, I am a child of the 70s, so I didn't understand civil rights movement. I didn't live through segregation. I've got friends that are South Africans. They remember very fondly apartheid, which was government-sanctioned, government-legalized segregation. They have their own stories. But I grew up in the 90s in Seattle where race was nothing, and nobody cared about any of that. My, if you look through my yearbook from the 90s, my friends had last names like Fukugawa and Hiroshima and uh, Nguyen and Tran and uh, Rim and uh, Badiola, and these were Asians. And then I had uh, Artun Miklan, which was one of my Russian friends. And we just thought nothing of this. And now in 2017, it's almost like everybody sees the difference, and then there becomes a God out of that difference. But we know from, <clears throat> from Jesus Christ in Matthew that he prophesied that in the last days, ethnic group would rise up against ethnic group and kingdom would rise up against kingdom. And that's very much what we're, we're seeing. Racism is a demon. Prejudice is a demon. And it likes to stir up our differences. The Bible lets us know that when we get to heaven, we're still going to be every race, tribe, and tongue. Even though we'll be spirit beings, we'll have glorified bodies, but I have to firmly believe Jesus Christ in his glorified body when he came back, he still looked like the Jew that he was because they recognized him and he, and he totally fit in. I've got to believe, now maybe with some upgrades, you're going to look just like you do today. We'll recognize you as white or black or Hispanic or Indian. I've got to believe we're going to be better looking, you know, and things have been added and maybe we're slimmed down and, you know, maybe our features are a little bit more comely and not so homely. And the difference is just one letter, but it makes all the difference in the world. We're still going to have our differences in heaven, but God, that's the way the Lord made us, tribes and tongues. So if there's a hatred in between the way God made us, you know it's demonic. And so we're, we're recognizing that intense ramp up. You watch it on the news every day. You see it on social media. It'll, it'll try to breathe on you. You'll try to pick up a bigotry or prejudice here. And that's why we're going to teach on this. But also with this lesson, I want to prove that not every disagreement is prejudice. Not every disagreement, not every preaching sermon against a sin is racial in motive. And so let's look at this. We're going to do a little bit of a brief review from the last lesson. It says, as discussed in the previous two lessons, tribalism and racism are wicked. And we want to be very clear about that before I start nitpicking things. Tribalism and racism are wicked and they have no place in the hearts of Christians. And here are their definitions again. This is from the first lesson. The second definition is from the second lesson. Tribalism is strong loyalty to one's own tribe, party, or group. The behavior and attitudes that stem from strong loyalty to one's own tribe or social group. And you and I as Americans, we don't really understand tribalism because we're not a tribal people. We understand racism better because, because of the mixing pot that is America. Uh, Africans understand tribalism, and I guarantee you Native Americans would have very much understood tribalism, even though to you and me, all Native Americans look the same. But who do they fight against? Other tribes, Arapaho versus Issaquah versus Choctaw, and then everybody's favorite, even God's favorite, the Cherokee. I think even the Lord Jesus is 132nd Cherokee. 
because everybody in the South seems to be 132nd Cherokee. <laughs> Amen. It just shows you how things get goofy. The sectarian behavior, often negative and violent, sectarian, the sects, the, 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 the divide that arises from the attitude of tribalism. So tribalism is both a noun and an adjective, and it, uh, I think we, we've discussed it enough to understand it. And of course, racism, this is what we're much more familiar with. Prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. Now, this is what this is the pejorative. Pejorative just means a negative, slanderous word. This is the pejorative that gets hurled a thousand times a day right now when there's a disagreement and we're different colors. Now, we can make the semantical argument that there's only one race, the human race. But we understand that when we're talking about racism, we're believing in a superiority of a Hispanic race over a black race uh, or a white race over an Asian race. My personal belief, my personal observation is much of what's called racism today has nothing to do with the superiority that one's, one's race is better. I don't, I'm sure it exists in America. I don't know anybody who's personally a pure racist. But I don't think most folks really believe that white people, because they're white, are better than black people. Or that black people, because they're black, are, are better because they're black than white people or Hispanic people. That's not to say there isn't hatred. That isn't to say there isn't bigotry or prejudice. But based on this definition, the firm belief that someone is less than you because they're a different race, I don't think that really exists as broadly as it's being made to feel. Is, are there racial tensions? Absolutely. And you know, all those blacks or all those whites or look at all those Mexicans taking over. That's called a racial statement. That's racist. But I don't, I don't think it's based on the fact that I really believe white people are better because we're white, because we're born with less pigment and European features. I, there's other roots to that sin. But if we're looking at the strict definition, the strict definition of racism is being horribly abused today. And I, I hopefully you understand what I'm trying to communicate there. Like I said last week, um, one of our young kids who plays soccer, they beat a team, mostly white kids on his team, they beat a team that's mostly black kids, and when the black team lost, they started chanting, you're racist, you're racist, racist. The black kids were chanting that the white kids were racist because they got beat at a soccer match. They're not racist, they're just better at soccer. Amen. Now, if you watch European soccer, a lot of their best players are black. So it's not a racial thing, but, you know, somebody wants to make it racial. You're just trying to find an excuse why you lost to a bunch of hillbillies in Cookville. Whatever makes you feel better, man. Wish mom and dad would train you better because it had nothing to do with race. They'd have beat you like a drum if you were white. Probably shouldn't say beat you like a drum. That might be racist against Indians. That's racist. No, you're just a little too sensitive and way too politically correct. So number two, the belief that all members of each race possess characteristics or abilities specific to that race, especially so as to distinguish it as inferior or superior to another race or races. Now, th that is almost an old understanding. What we're going to get into this morning is culturalism and how much culture plays a role in our differences. And at the same time, let me also be very clear, cult most of culture is the will of God. And the Asians have a culture, and the Africans have a culture, and the Arabs have a culture, and the Europeans have a culture, and the Latin Americans have a culture, and the Inuits have a culture. And there's a lot of that that you can find in God. Now, there's going to be pagan culture as well. 
But the ignorance behind this kind of definition of racism is that, well, all Asians are good at math because every Asian I encountered was good at math. And so uh, that's, a cult, that's a racial thing. That's not a racial thing. It's a cultural thing. If you were, we understand this now better because we're getting more into cross-national uh, uh, adoption. And you can adopt a kid from Ethiopia and he'll be brought up as American as apple pie. Or you can adopt a kid from Asia and he'll be brought up as American as apple pie. There's even a famous comedian out of Knoxville, Tennessee named Henry Cho. I've watched him a couple of times. He's clean and he's funny. I mean, when I watched him, he was clean. But he's from Knoxville, which is why I always follow the guy. And he'd get up there and his first thing he'd say, howdy, y'all. And, of course, everybody's like, <gasps> he said, what, you expect me to do some karate or something? I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee, man. I'm a redneck. And you're like, but you look like Pearl Harbor. <laughs> no, I'm Korean. That's the Japanese. And this comes, this comes back to cultural ignorance. And that's what we want to try to really begin to educate ourselves on this morning. And honestly, what we have time to do this morning will not do it justice. So you'll need to study some stuff on your own. And then number three, a belief or doctrine that inherent differences among the various human racial groups determine cultural or individual achievement. Again, that's kind of an ignorant thing because you're Asian, you're going to be better at the martial arts and math and chemistry. But that's a cultural thing. Or that because you're a white American, you're dumb and ignorant. That's a cultural thing. We're so much a product and we're so much a product of our upbringing and so many years of psychology and sociology has gone into that research to prove that, and we understand it. Uh, honestly, that's called discipleship. And once we do get born again, we're to be retrained into the kingdom's culture and not just stick in our own cultural deficits or, or strengths. Usually involving the idea that one's own race is superior and has the right to dominate others or that a particular racial group is inferior to others. And we, these are our understandings of racism today. Honestly, I believe firmly that probably 95% of what goes on in America today is not pure racism, it's prejudice. And you have to understand, and every one of you is prejudiced in some area or another. And that, that, that mostly is fed from stereotypes, and we're going to get into that here in a second. There is no superior race or tribe. Let's be very clear on that. Everybody without Jesus Christ is damned and going to hell. And your skin color can do nothing to save you, nor can your culture do anything to save you. There is no superior race or tribe. The only folks who are worth anything are those that have truly been born again. And the only reason we're worth anything is because we humbled ourselves and said help. But at the same time, God has made, he has declared all men are equal by dying for all men and paying the same price for all men. Jesus didn't pay more for black people than he did white people. He didn't pay more for the Jews than he did the Gentiles. He paid the same price for all of mankind, and he declared all man is worth the same thing to me. And therefore, racism and, and, and uh, tribalism is a bunch of stupid ignorance. It's absolutely foolish. Nothing avails in Christ but the new creature. Your color, your upbringing benefits you nothing in this kingdom. The only thing that is worth anything, the Bible says, is the new creature, you being born again. You're either born again or you're dead to God. And color does nothing to save you. Not even being of the Jewish tribe can save you from the depths of hell. You must be born again. Let's review real quick this definition of the word ethnos. I use this word ethnos a lot in the rest of the curriculum or the lesson because there's no real good English word to explain what I'm trying to say. So we looked at this last week, but let's look at the definition again. Ethnos, which is where we get the word ethnic or ethnic group, a broad term for any group of people. 
And, and this is even why the Greeks had one word that kind of encompassed everything because it's hard to nail it all down. Whether it be a nation, that's an ethnos, a tribe like the Cherokees is a tribe or a clan like the Scottish have clans, that would be considered an ethnos. A caste, if you're from India, they have a caste system. That's an ethnos or even a group of animals. So a group of birds would be an ethnos. A group of cows would be an ethnos. And then, of course, a group of professionals. I was, for many years, I was a member of the American Association of Engineering Geologists. That would be considered an ethnos. Or the UAW, United Auto Workers, that would be an ethnos. Or, you know, Skilled Labor Union, ethnos. The Nurses Union, ethnos. It just talks about a group of people of like quality, like characteristics. So I just want to review the word ethnos because I use it over and over again as a Greek word just to try to encompass what we're saying. So let's look at now stereotypes, culturalists, which is like being a racist but based on culture. Hating something based on a cultural aspect, nothing to do with the race. And culturalism. And culturalist and culturism, culturism are two terms I want to purposely and personally start trying to promote into the American vernacular, even the kingdom vernacular. I've never heard any of this taught. I've never heard any of this covered in the pulpit. Uh, Culturalism is a term that first was used in the 19th century, but you don't find anybody using it. And culturist is only brand newly developed as a mocking term for racism. It's almost an urban slang that gets used jokingly, but I want to try to grab it and start to use it to distinguish that what we have in America is not pure racism, it's just ignorance and stupidity. And if we're going to be good gospel preachers, we have to be part culturalist and part a a culturalist that has culturism in our veins. And I'll explain that more here in a second. To avoid misjudging something as racist or prejudiced, We must understand stereotypes and culturalism. And again, this is a term I'm going to begin to use more even just preaching regularly. You're going to become educated in it. So what's a stereotype? We all get it, but let's look at the definition. Any thought or caricature widely adopted about specific types of individuals are certain ways of behaving intended to represent the entire group of those individuals or behaviors as a whole. A stereotype. All right, we get that. We know what a stereotype is. So let's look at some examples. White men can't jump. That's a stereotype. They even made a movie about it. I never saw the movie, but it was about, you know, Woody Harrelson playing basketball with Wesley Snipes and hustling people. That's a stereotype. Except it's, you know, there's, and I'm going to say this, there's always some truth based on, stereotypes are always based on some truth. But there's always the the exceptions. So you ever heard of the Flosberry Flop? One head nods, two head nods. The athletes, three. The athletes know the Flosberry flop. This is a white guy. I don't know his first name, Steve Flosberry. He developed a way to do the high jump, and it was called the Flosberry flop. And instead of running and trying to dive over the high jump, he ran backwards, which is how they do it around the world now, and he could jump eight feet. He could jump eight feet. White guy. Today, though, the world record holder is a Cuban. So not a black man, though you could argue that Cubans are part Hispanic, part African. They just call themselves Cuban. They don't call themselves African Cubans or Cuban African or they just, I'm Cuban, not African American. I'm Cuban. The world record today holder is a Cuban and he's had that record for over 20 years. It's like eight foot six or eight foot eight. It's insane. 
What about black people have rhythm? That's a stereotype. And yet, a lot of white folks produce music. The Japanese have some crazy rhythm. Uh, Native Americans, they invented the drum, apparently. That's how they communicated, you know, drumming. Uh, but that's, that's a stereotype. What about Asians are good at math and the martial arts? And yet, if you get around the wrong circumstance and you say, you know what, black people can jump, somebody can say, that's racist. It's not racist, it's a stereotype. Or I, I did see a video one time where the guy said, come on, man, you're Asian, protect us. He said, well, you think because I'm Asian, I know Taekwondo? That's racist. It's not racist, it's a presumptive stereotype. It has nothing to do with me thinking you're better than me or less than me because we're different nationalities. How about blondes are dumb? That's a stereotype. What about Irish love drinking? That's a stereotype. You should see the seeker-friendly church. <laughs> seeker-friendly church put the Irish to shame. What about Russians are industrious? Sure they are. So are the Asians. So are the whites. So are the Africans. But that's something they're known for. But these are stereotypes. These are actually racial stereotypes or, or ethnos stereotypes. Mexicans are hard workers. Sure they are. But there's lazy ones too. And in fact, among all of these, you can find folks, you can find black people that can't jump. You ever seen a 500-pound black man? He can't jump. But like we already said, Cubans can jump too. Asians have rhythm. White people are good at math and martial arts. Actually, uh, well, because I'm a judo, judo is close to my heart. Um, The only gold medal Israel has ever received in the Olympics was in judo. So apparently Israelis are pretty good at judo too. Blondes are dumb. Well, so are Middle Tennesseans. Every sect of society has its stupid. They're called politicians. Irish love drinking. We've already proven all. There's drunks across the board in every denomination, in every religion, in every color. So these are stereotypes. They say nothing about a racist superiority or inferiority. They are rudimentary observations based on limited data and experience. This is just how we start to equate things. We start to build a stereotype. It's, our, it's human nature to try to relate to people and, and to categorize people. Science is all about categorizing observations and compartmentalizing it for easy recall. All of biology, taxonomy, is all about observing. All these animals have these same kind of qualities. Let's group them together. But in this grouping... We have subgroupings. Let's group those together. That's a form of stereotyping, but it's called taxonomy. We try to do it culturally. We try to do it sociologically. We try to do it with, with our experiences with people. And there's honestly nothing wrong with that. It's human nature. It's science. It's a scientific mind that God has put in every one of us to begin to relate and understand and anticipate what our what our experience is going to be the next time we run into a Mexican or the next time we run into an Irishman or the next time we run into a whatever based on our previous experience. And as long as you're open to being wrong, there's nothing wrong with stereotyping because if you know that there's truth to stereotypes and there's lots of exceptions, then you're not going to fall apart or start pigeonholing people. They are amateur scientific hypotheses deduced from human interactions. uh, My mind always relates everything back to science. 
There's always some truth to stereotypes, but we could say there's always exceptions as well. All hillbillies are ignorant, gun-toting, Bible-believing, ignoramuses that sleep with their sisters. Well, not all, because there are many exceptions to those hillbillies. You have hillbillies like Dolly Parton, who's worth, you know, almost a billion dollars. You think she's ignorant? Just because she talks country and made her start on country music doesn't mean she's an ignoramus, gun-toting, Bible-believing, sleeping with her sister. That would be ignorant. We don't ever get offended by that because we weren't taught to be offended by that. Offense is learned. Offense is taught by offensive people or people that are easily offended. If you don't like the exception, uh, if, excuse me, if you don't like the stereotype of your ethnos, whatever your ethnos is, and this morning here I could probably lump us into about, I could probably lump us into about six different types of groups just in here this morning, not even based on race. Though we have some African-Americans in here and we have some Africans, real Africans this here this morning. And then we have middle-aged white women and older white women. We have married couples. We have single folks. We have Southerners. We have Yankees. If you don't like the stereotype that is assigned to your ethnos, don't feed the stereotype. Be the exception. Don't be the brash Yankee. Don't be the, the fake Southerner. Don't be the ignorant whatever. Don't be, don't be the lonely single person. Don't be the controlling Jezebel. I don't know. Change your stereotype. Be the anti-type. I, I, I uh, got to spend some time this week with um, a black pastor who's becoming a good friend of mine. We both really enjoy each other's company. And I don't ever get offended when people want to stereotype me or nail me because I just, I don't care. I, my parents didn't teach me to get offended at stuff. I, they, they taught me to press on in life. And so, so a couple couple maybe two years ago when we first started to get to know each other, he found out I pastored in the South. And uh, he said, I, I heard you have an interracial church. I said, I, I got, I'm multi-ethnic. He said, really? Because that wasn't the stereotype of a white Southern pastor. So this time, this week, he said, so, so, so do you have interracial marriages in your church? I said, yeah, and I do them. He said, really? And I could tell I was kind of rocking his stereotype of your typical Southern preacher. I said, yeah, man. Yeah, I got interracial marriages. I love them. And it didn't offend me that he was trying to pigeonhole me or trying to figure out why I did or didn't fit what his stereotype was of a white cracker southern preacher. Don't bother me a bit. I'm always up for uh, debunking things. It is human nature to make observations and develop stereotypes that make decisions and then make decisions based on those stereotypes. Don't let the first impression you make feed a current stereotype current negative stereotype. There are racial stereotypes. And listen to this. It's not just racial stereotypes. There are racial stereotypes, tribal stereotypes. In Africa, among the uh, Nigerians, the Igbos have a stereotype. The Maasai have a stereotype. This is a tribe in Kenya. The uh, Sudanese have a stereotype. They're very aggressive. The, The Lugandans are very passive. There's stereotypes to things you don't even know. But there's a joke among the Nigerians. Actually, Pastor Mark Donald, who's from Botswana, he said, in Africa, nobody likes the Nigerians, which is a national thing, but it's also a tribal thing. He said, in fact, the Nigerians don't even like the Nigerians. You and I don't get that because we're not African. We don't have interaction with the Nigerians on the African level. There are career stereotypes, the doctor stereotype, the school teacher stereotype, what about the librarian stereotype? 
If, if you met a girl who was gauged out, tattooed up, and went to Lollapalooza, and she told you she was a librarian, you'd say, what? Or she told you, I, I'm a neurosurgeon, because she doesn't fit the stereotype. Or the lawyer stereotype. Or the trucker stereotype. You meet some guy who sits down in like an Armani suit and smells nice and Italian and, and very articulate and, medi- uh, and had, you know, the pe- medicure, uh, medicure, medicure, uh, yeah. manicure and the pedicure. And, you know, you think he's an Italian businessman or he's a lawyer. And he says, oh, no, I, I drive trucks. Come again? No, this is, yeah, I just, it's, I enjoy it. And, but this is how I enjoy dressing. Everybody, we have stereotypes. And there's nothing racist about any of them. Because none of them are based on the fact that I think I'm better than you. It's just my experience with truckers is not that you look like Armani. It's that you look like the hillbilly redneck. You have sports stereotypes. The typical hockey player is missing about nine teeth. The typical football player, in my opinion, is tattooed up and goes to the strip clubs on Friday night and makes it rain. That's my stereotype of NFL footballer. You have your typical soccer player stereotype. We don't have any interaction with water polo, so we don't know what a water polo stereotype is. Sumo, you think, is 900 pounds and lard, but that's not a proper stereotype. But there are these stereotypes we subscribe to. Religious stereotypes, we understand this very well. What about the Muslim stereotype? You know you walk a little faster on the other side of the mall when you see somebody coming and dressed like a full ninja in a burqa because there's a stereotype. You think she's got a bomb underneath there and it may be her heart cries out for the real God every night. You don't know. But there's that stereotype. The, uh, we're, you know, we're Southerners, so we're pretty ignorant on everything that's not white and country. But it, just so you know, if you see a guy in a turban you can stick very close to a guy in a turban because he's a Sikh. If he has a nice manicured beard with the little ends, that's not a Muslim terrorist. That's a Sikh. And their whole religion has been developed over the last thousand years for killing Muslims in the disputed territory of Kashmir. So when you see a Sikh, stick a little closer. But don't stereotype them as a Muslim terrorist. And I know not all Muslims are terrorists. Cultural stereotypes because ethnos behave similarly. When you have different ethnos groupings, they behave the same and therefore they pick up the same behavior patterns. So let's look at this because we've got to look at some scriptures. Culturalism. This is belief in the relative superiority or inferiority of certain cultures. And I might even add cultural aspects. Discrimination or prejudice based on these cultural beliefs. And let me, let me say this, not all discrimination is bad. Not all prejudice is bad. When you and I make decisions, decision-making at its base form can be called prejudice and discrimination. I discriminate between the rotten meat and the good meat. And I choose the good meat so I don't get sick. That is discrimination. Now, when we talk about discriminating against people, well, you know, If a a pedophile comes into my church and I find out he's a pedophile, I'm going to discriminate. Even if he has repented and is serving Jesus, I will never, ever let him back into the kid's wing. That would be stupidity. I love him, 
I'm going to support him, but he'll never be around our children. That's a good discrimination. It's called wisdom. And prejudice means to prejudge. And every time you drive, you're operating in constant prejudice, prejudging speeds, car locations, speed limits. That's prejudice. And so when it comes to culturalism, there, we're, what we're going to see with the rest of our lesson is there's things you and I must prejudge and discriminate against if we're going to serve Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ does not accept everything. He discriminates. Jesus Christ is very, very close-minded. But it has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with sin and a heart towards him. This is a rarely used word, this culturalism, but it was developed in the late 19th century. The word culturist, I happened to just randomly find on an urban dictionary because I was wanting to use it in this term, in this sense, but somebody's actually coined it as a joke. We say all Americans are rude brats. Man, that's a culturist statement. And they're recognizing it's not, we're not trying to lump all Americans as white or black, but the American culture. So to put down somebody because of their culture is culturalist. It is to hate or discriminate based on culture. The use of this term has begun recently, but is perhaps long overdue. A culturalist is one who practices culturalism, the belief in the superiority or inferiority of certain cultures, one who judges a culture as superior or inferior. Now, let me say that. We as Christians, we have the biblical mandate to judge cultural aspects as superior or inferior. It has nothing to do with the color of the skin. Because if we take Europeans, you and I, if we're white, we're of European descent. Now, we don't call ourselves European-Americans because we are not wrapped up in our history. Now, I am Scottish. I'm Scotch-Irish, and we can trace, I can trace, our family history has been well-kept all the way back to uh, Scotland and Ireland, and all the way back to the clan we came from, not the Ku Klux Klan, the real clans. And I'm of the Stuart clan. Of course, the Dingwalls, if you didn't know Dingwall is more Scottish than anything else, you have Clan Dingwall. And they, of course, can trace their things back. When we're dealing with culturalism, even though we might be of European descent, if we're white, we have nothing in common with Europeans. Not even our English is similar to British English. And as my friend Pastor Chris Parker points out, there's no such thing as British English. There's just English. He said, does your textbook, mate, because he's British, does your textbook say American English or just English? Yeah, it's just English. I said, yeah, but we do it better. (laughs) We have nothing in common with the Italians we came from. We have nothing in common with the Germans we came from because we've moved, but we've taken on a different culture. So when we deal with culture... And we start nitpicking culture based on the Bible. It has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with the merits of that culture, whether it's biblical or not. You understand what I'm saying? All right. And I, I say this because I've been called racist for addressing cultural sin. But if you, you, know, you guys all are faithful here, I attack white honky cracker culture just as much as I attack ignorant black ghetto culture. And I hammer tribal culture in Africa, and they eat it up. Never has an African called me racist. A real African. I always get called racist by the African-Americans. The real Africans love it when we go there and give them the Bible. And when I go to Europe, we do the same thing. We address their culture. In fact, my first message in Iceland was, God doesn't care about your culture. And the Icelandic people are racist. (laughs) 
Well, I should say they're nationalists. If you're not Icelandic, they don't care what color you are. You don't belong. So my first message in Iceland was, God has a dream for you, and it has nothing to do with Iceland or your culture. And they received it pretty well. They didn't call me racist. Folks who scream racist are usually the ones full of racism themselves. So let's look at an example. Acts 6.1, very familiar passage. And in those days, this is the early days of the church, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Two different groups of people, two different ethnos here. We have the church of the Lord Jesus Christ being born again through signs and wonders and the preaching of God's word. They're all in the same house, but there, there arises a cultural prejudice, bigoted dis- debate here. And it's the Grecians complaining against the Hebrews. Now, if that's all you read as an American who doesn't dig deeper, you totally miss what's going on here. Because Grecians were Jews. And Hebrews are Jews. But the Bible tells us that here, using these words, it tells us the origin of the dispute here. Because the, their widows, the Grecian widows, were neglected in the daily ministration. A Grecian was a Jew who was Hellenized. Now, Hellenized means they had lived outside of, of Israel and had adopted Hellenistic or Greek culture. So they were Jews. They were Israelites. But for whatever reason, they had, say, moved to Rome or moved to Corinth, moved to Greece, moved to Cappadocia, had moved to Asia Minor, had moved to Lydda, where the Greek culture had spread during the Greek Empire. We are now into the Roman Empire, but they were still called Grecians. Has nothing to do with hair formula. Has everything to do with a different culture. So though they were Jews, though they were of the tribe of Israel, though they were uh, up until their born-again experience, they were under the law of Moses, they spoke a different accent. They were fluent in Greek and Hebrew. They would have dressed differently, though. They would have not fit in Israel because they were not Israeli in culture. They were Greek, but they were Jews. And this was a distinction. The Hebrews, Hebrews refers to the Jews that were in Israel and had retained the Israelite culture and the accent and the dress and the diet. There was a prejudice there. Nothing in the world to do with race because technically they're the same tribe even down to the same 12 tribes of Israel. A Grecian was a Jew who, was, who had adopted the Greek language and much of the Greek culture through uh, acculturation, that, which is the process of blending cultures by living outside of Israel. And they had, of course, since moved back to Israel, which is why they're in the church at Jerusalem. Technically, both groups in this dispute were of Jewish race. The only difference was the Grecians were Jews who had been born or or lived outside of Israel for some time and then returned. This was a prejudice based on culture. All right? It's a prejudice based on culture. This This prejudice was so strong, it was causing the mistreatment of widows. Think about that. How prejudiced do you have to be that you would purposely starve widows? I mean, widows... People who can't take care of themselves. People, women who, not widowers, widows. Old women who don't have a job, who could be starving to death, and yet you refuse to feed them because we know they're Jews, but they have a different accent. They, they dress in the Hellenized style. That's a strong prejudice. Nothing in the world to do with race because their names would have been similar. They would have sounded Jewish. They would have known the Torah, maybe even better than the Hebrews. 
but they moved back to Israel. That's a prejudice based on culture. That is culturalism. That they would have been culturalists. Let me, can I, let me throw this out there for the Africans who listen, the African-Americans. Many of the, Ameri- uh, the Africans I meet in Africa are culturalists against African-Americans. My experience in Africa is Africans don't much care for African-Americans. The culture. Same race. I don't run into African-American missionaries in Africa. Of course, you could say, how would you know if you did? You know, because you can spot an American on the mission field a mile away. But you see a lot of whites in Africa who are Western doing the gospel. So we might could even argue African-Americans are culturalists against real Africans. Same race, though we have already said that there's only one race, the human race. There's a prejudice there. One one African-American was offered to go to Africa on a mission trip, and he said, I left nothing on that continent I want to go back for. That's what a black pastor, a black preacher said. See, these are ignorant ideologies the fact that a Jew would neglect a widow Jew because she had a different accent to the point of starvation is ignorant. This is an example of culturalism, not racism. So biblical culturalism, because there's an example of, of wicked culturalism in the Bible. But let's look at what true biblical culturalism looks like. I want to introduce the concept of biblical culturalism into the lexicon of society and theology, if it doesn't already exist. I've not found it anywhere, but maybe it does. My definition is as follows. The belief that all cultures of all nations and ethnic groups contain sinful traditions, customs, and habits, and therefore must be subjected to the perfecting work of God's law and New Testament doctrine. In short, the kingdom's culture is flawlessly preeminent and therefore takes precedent over any longstanding tradition. Amen. Unfortunately, human nature is very defensive of its own culture and takes offense to any critique. However, the Bible authorizes the New Testament minister and believer to take a stand against wicked and unjust cultures. So the early church did just that when they replaced the early deacons that were neglecting these Grecian widows. Somebody was taking care. There was already somebody in authority taking care of widows, and those somebodies were were prejudiced and therefore were going to be replaced, which lets us know that if you have prejudice in your heart to the point where you pervert judgment against God's people, you you should be replaced. You don't deserve leadership. Amen. The early church did just that by replacing their first set of prejudiced deacons. Notice, not racist prejudice i really the term racist has been so overused it really i just if somebody's called a racist i instantly say they're not because if they're that easily called a racist obviously a ku klux klan member we'll give that to them a black panther i'll give that to them they're a racist too but if they're just called racist i like no they're not not in this culture not today they Possess the kingdom's culture of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom, not full of petty cultural prejudice. So Acts 6.3, the, the apostle said, Therefore, brethren, look you out among you to replace these prejudiced culturalist deacons. Look out among you seven men of honest report. So here's the culture God looks for. Honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom, 
whom we may appoint over this business. If you have a cultural prejudice, you don't get to do the Lord's business because you'll do it biased. And God doesn't like that. What was that? You have two examples in the Bible. This is, this is a very subtle thing you don't pick up on unless somebody points it out. Two examples in the Gospels of Jesus multiplying the fishes and the loaves. And in one example, the disciples said, Lord, feed them. They have nothing to eat. And in the other example, they didn't ever mention it. And Jesus said, they're hungry. Feed them something to eat. So what's the difference? The ones where the disciples said, Jesus, they're hungry, they were in a Jewish neighborhood. And the one where the disciples didn't care, they were in a Gentile neighborhood. Very subtle, but you have to look at the geography. A cultural prejudice, a racial prejudice among the 12 apostles. And Jesus didn't chew them out. He did a greater miracle among the Gentiles. Yeah. The early church leaders rejected the deacons who allowed cultural differences to pervert their obligations and ministry. And the Lord Jesus will reject you too if you don't overcome this. Five of the seven deacons that were chosen were men who were not pure Jews in culture. Think about that irony. They replaced these prejudiced Jews who don't like Grecians and five of the seven aren't even pure Jews. Stephen was a Grecian. That means he was raised outside of Israel, but he was a Jew. Philip was from the coastal town of Caesarea. Coastal towns see a lot of cultures come and go. He didn't care one way or another who they were. Nicanor was a Grecian. He was a Jew born outside Israel. Timon was a Grecian. He was a Jew born outside Israel. Nicholas wasn't even a Jew. He was a Gentile that had converted to Judaism. We could say this, four out of the seven were born outside Israel. They, uh, they totally wanted to take care of the Grecian widows. They understood the differences. These men were known for rising above their natural culture by embracing biblical culture. And that's what you and I have to do. You have to be able to introspectively judge the culture that you claim as your own and find out where it's biblical and keep it and find out where it's unbiblical and reject it. One of my friends, actually Dr. Lonnie Brown, he and I were talking. Dr. Lonnie Brown is a black pastor in Flint, Michigan. So you know he deals with a lot of black racial issues. And he was telling me, he said, I tell my people all the time, the problem is not the white man, the problem is the black mind. That is a man who can understand you have to be able to look at your own culture and reject what's not biblical. So he, he's a black pastor, tells his black church, the problem is not the white man, the problem is the black mind. And that reference is African-American, it's not black Africa, because there's a huge difference. Paul commanded biblical culturalism, which is the definition I just gave. He said, talking to Titus, and I've preached this a lot around here, this is what has really kicked off all this revelation for me, is this passage right here. He told Titus in pastoring in the island nation of Crete, he said, one of themselves, a Cretan, even a prophet of their own said, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. That is lazy gluttons. Sounds like Middle Tennessee to me. This witness is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. So the Cretans had a reputation. The reputation could also be called a stereotype. We honestly have no idea what these people look like. They're probably Greek looking because it's an island in the Mediterranean. Their reputation, their stereotype was called typical Cretan. That's what they were known for. Typical redneck. 
Typical politician. It's a stereotype. They were known for being liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This was also part of their culture. Paul called out the cultural behavior of the Cretans. He nailed it. And Paul was not a racist. He was called a, an apostle to the Gentiles. He did not attack them. He called out their cultural behavior. He also authorized Titus to rebuke the culture and replace it with sound faith. You can have one of two things, church. You can have your pagan culture, you can have sound faith, but you can't have both because one will override the other. This is biblical culturalism. When you replace or you hate a wicked culture for the sake of the Bible, that's biblical culturalism. You are calling out a culture that's not sound biblically and you're attacking it, not the person, so that they might be sound in the faith. That is what I call biblical culturalism. Every church and minister is commanded to address pagan cultures and replace them with kingdom culture. So real quick as we finish up, below is a list of behavior that will never be accepted by God and to call it out or to preach against it has absolutely nothing to do with race or stereotyping. And I've dealt with all of these in different cultures around the world now. Lying. Some cultures are just known for being liars. You can even develop racial stereotypes. You ever heard the term, I was gypped? That comes from gypsies who would trade you a trinket for something and in the end you weren't getting what you thought you were and they said, I've been gypped. You know that our progressive universities don't want you to use the term gypped because it's racially insensitive. If I didn't tell you it came from gypsies, you wouldn't even know what the origin of being gypped comes from. But that's their, that's their reputation. Gypsies are liars. They're, they're considered that way in Romania. They're considered that way in Ireland. That's their reputation. They have to get born again and be delivered from that. Fornication, adultery, homosexuality. A lot of cultures embrace this. Stealing, illegitimacy, arranged marriages, polygamy, laziness. In Africa, we still deal with pastors from time to time who are of the old tribal mindset who are polygamists. And we, I've not had to, but my friends who I've traveled with have had to sit them down and say, you can't pastor. You have eight wives. That's, they don't ever say that's racist. They just say, well, what am I to do? I want to serve Jesus. You can, but you can't pastor. And really, I don't know if we've ever come up with a good answer. How do you deal with eight wives when you've married all of them and now you have children with all of them? That's a mess. I don't know. I don't ask me. I don't know how to resolve that this morning. Laziness, that's in every culture. Upper Cumberland gets an A plus in that one. Murder or honor killings, Muslims get an A plus in that one. Communication with the dead, Catholics and Upper Cumberland Christians get an A plus in that one. Body modification, that seeker friendly church gets an A plus in that one. Substance abuse, seeker friendly gets an A plus in that one too. These are cultures that God does not endorse. And if we preach against it, it has nothing to do with race, it has everything to do with the Bible and keeping people right with Jesus Christ. So don't get offended if we stomp on your culture. Rejoice that if you can see it in the Word, God's wanting to set you free. So this is the difference between racism, tribalism, prejudice, bigotry, and now culturalism. I, I've got prejudice in me because every human being does. You can develop fresh prejudice just based on a bad example or bad experience. But what I aim to be as a minister and a man of God is a culturalist where I assault culture and not people. Because if I can clean up bad culture, I can get more of God onto people. Amen? Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for these lessons. Uh, may people hear the heart of what I have endeavored to communicate. I know these lessons may be somewhat controversial because of the nature, nature and the nation that we live in. But may people truly hear the heart of it. In Jesus' name, amen.